Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. And uh, this month, and uh, especially this week, we're talking about techniques for inspiration. Uh, the first podcast is already up and running, and this is the second one on the topic. And just to go over what we've been through so far, um, the Oxford Dictionary uh, presumes that inspiration is something that just comes um, um, as a fluke, uh, just springs out of nowhere, and someone gets a wow, insp- they get inspired. They, it means something happens to them and um, they get a flash of lightning or a flash of genius or a flash of something. Most books, um, and in the first uh, uh, blog on this, um, I referred to a couple of articles, but there are over 3 billion articles on the internet on the word inspiration, all the way from Christian religion, all the way through to the other end of the spectrum. And um, But I want to talk about inspiration only from uh, nature's viewpoint because I think you can cut through all the psychology and all the mumbo-jumbo and all the religion and get back to basics. And the first argument is, um, and was in that article, that um, inspiration can be caused. You can can cause yourself to get inspired. Um, Unlike uh, or unlike meditation you can't meditate did you I don't know if you know that but you cannot meditate you can only put yourself in a position to allow meditation to happen so the first step in uh, finding inspiration is to catch a feather in other words put yourself in a position where inspiration can happen and that's called catching a feather it's um, it's uh, defined very clearly as the same technique you would use to catch a balloon that was falling. If you reach out and grab it, the air in your hand probably pushes it away. Um, it's very hard to grip, so you probably put your hand under the balloon and there it would drop into your hand. So the ability to let inspiration come is very important. And that's what I want to talk about today. Um, there is a technique in business called um, kiss up. Uh, kick down Um, and my experience is uh, very few people in the world know how to do anything else I coach people not to do it and I would say that anybody who's a client of mine who's been coached understands that this is not a technique that will get them where they want to go but for those of the great unwashed as we call them um, that's that's the way they do it So let's just start talking about this um, in the language of seagull management. Seagull management is a management style where a manager only interacts with employees when they they see a problem has been occurred, has occurred. The the perception is that such a management style involves hasty decisions about things of which the leader knows little, little, has little understanding, resulting in them making more of a mess of a situation with which others must handle. Uh, The term became popular through Ken Blanchard's 1985 book, Leadership and the One Minute Manager. Great little book. Um, Seagulls, seagull managers fly in, make a lot of noise, dump on everyone, which means shit on people, and then fly out. And that's from Wikipedia. So great little book, that one, Leadership and the One Minute Manager. You cannot manage or lead anyone with a higher consciousness in you. 
So if you're trying to manage someone below you in the organization, but their consciousness is greater than you, you're going to not be able to manage that person. So there's an incentive in a sense to work on raising your consciousness. And we do that through the back on track process. So when you try to manage someone um, or when anybody tries to manage someone with a greater consciousness than them, it's the equivalent to being standing on a ladder and trying to get down the ladder while someone's coming up the ladder. And uh, if you're trying to climb down past a person below you, it's, it's an unimaginable uh, mess and it's very dangerous, but mostly for the person below who cops a button their face at some point in the ladder climb. So Seagull management is when the manager has less vision, less inspiration, and less purpose, which is what we define as consciousness than those they manage. Hence, the only way they can stay in charge is, so to speak, is to operate to belittle those below them. Now, we only belittle other people when we think they're bigger than us. So if you've got a partner who belittles you or if you've got a manager who belittles you, it's because that person feels smaller than you. I would say pretty well has a less consciousness than you. Now, that's one of the idiosyncrasies of organizational structures. They can put someone with less consciousness in charge of someone with greater consciousness. They can put someone with less vision, less inspiration, less purpose in charge of someone with a vision, with inspiration, with purpose and expect that to operate and then go call HR to try and manage the mental health problems that it causes. Consciousness in business is very much underestimated, um, mostly because it can't be measured by the usual kiss up, kick down management style, the 360s and the, um, um, what do they call them, culture amps and the engagement surveys. They cannot measure consciousness, but we can. So the three elements of consciousness you can measure if you follow the uh, inner wealth process. Vision, firstly. You ask the question, why does this person come to work? Now that's a great question. We use the consciousness cone um, with the got to, love to, to score a person. Do you, do you gotta come to work? Do you love to come to work? Do you should come to work? We also go around the seven areas of life. Although this model looks really simplified, it's very far from simple. All mental health problems can be identified in a vision analysis on the consciousness cone. And the quality of leadership can be measured there as well. The second one is inspiration. So vision, inspiration. Your VIP score on the inspiration wheel represents the total human awareness. On this score chart, we predict workplace behavior driven by home life challenges and in reverse. In other words, we, we create a total human package of measurement. And this powerful total human awareness uh, model and the scale reveals the level of inspiration an, an individual can, that's most important here, can and will sustain in their work and that can be measured on the scale. The third one is purpose. The purpose score is also measurable ironic isn't it that we can measure uh, whether a person's on purpose or off for this we use biometrics and i use an aura ring but there are uh, fit rings and there's all sorts of wristbands and goodness knows what coming out right now um, that measure ultimately uh, um, uh, things like hrv and body mass index and heart rate variability and and all sorts of things that give you a readiness score 
Now this readiness score is absolutely the perfect measure as to whether you're on purpose or not. But there are others too, like visceral fat, and that goes also into your readiness score. A compilation of these metrics gives us a purpose score within plus or minus 1% accuracy. This purpose score is an accurate measure of sustainability and quality of decisions as well. So for many years, uh, you may not know this or you may already know it, for many years businesses and corporations have made this mistake of compartmentalizing the development of people with the aim of increasing their productivity. And yet the total human being, the heart, the quality of life, the relationships and other aspects of the human being have been ignored, mainly because it's a voodoo to cross the line into the private life of a working person. But as we enter an era of AI and hyper-accelerated decision-making, the demands on individuals to bring their total capacity to work, including their heart, their creativity, their inspiration and non-rational intellect, means we need a new understanding of what it is to train the total human being, what it is to get a person to turn up. In measuring and growing consciousness, fragmentation doesn't exist. Your vision, inspiration, purpose scores help employees to restore and preserve that awareness, but it helps also employers achieve productivity. So, can you hear that outside? That's somebody on their mobile telephone in a car. Isn't it fabulous? I love it. So, um, Let's finish it up here on the podcast. And um, if you need to read this, it'll be on the blog. And uh, let's move forward into the second of the stages of uh, inspiration technique, which is breathing. Bye for now.